Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies, Birdies and Bourbon show. I was going to say the uh, the Barney and Bourbon show, but uh, but we'll we'll stick with Birdies and Bourbon. So you can do bar, you can do a barnyard if you want. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Hey, this is uh, this is a treat for us to be able to chat with uh, just uh, a man that had such a hell of an innovation on the the golf industry, the game of golf. Um, author of the Wow Factor. And uh, I think, are you still contributing to uh, to maybe some articles that uh, maybe Golf WRX and some things like that? Yeah, writing is, uh, you know, I, I have no <laughs> no delusions about my talent, but it's something I'd like to do. So, yeah, I, I write articles on occasion. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I guess I don't want to say ultimately, because I definitely want to get into uh, a new venture that you're into. I don't know how new it is for you, but uh, a, a newer, but the, uh, the founder of Adams golf, uh, Barney Adams. Thanks for coming on the show, man. We appreciate your time. That was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're only as old as you feel, sir. Yes. Where, uh, where are we finding you at Barney? Indian Wells, California. Oh, okay. Nice. Awesome. Middle, middle of the California desert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Outstanding. And, um, so is there, I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but, uh, I was thinking we were going to find you in Texas, but, uh, you would have, you would have, if, if you'd have called me three or four years ago, <laughs> I got you. Okay. And is there, is there a good fly fishing in California? Uh, up North there is. Yeah, actually uh, there's very good fly fishing, uh, up north of Sacramento, uh, uh, up in, you know, there's a, I don't know how many hundred miles it is between there and the Oregon border, but there's some great river fishing up there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We, uh, we may chat a little about that on the back end if we have some time, but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get too far ahead of anything, but I mean, if you don't know who Barney is and you don't know the Adams golf story, it's, uh, so one, I guess go by the wow factor, even though it's kind of a book about business, but it kind of leads you in through yeah. the, the, the golf industry business, if you will. But yeah, I use, I use, I use the golf industry. I wanted to write about entrepreneurism. So I use the golf industry. My experience is a way to do it. Oh, cool. Sure. Very cool. Yeah. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the, to the beginning, right? And did you play golf in college, by the way? We had uh persimmon okay. and a lot of golf balls. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. I, went to a, I went to a small tech school in Northern New York. When I mean Northern New York, I mean up at the Canadian border. And uh, I tell people I played three years of college golf never without snow either in the air or on the ground oh wow oh wow <laughs> yeah so so is that so you're you know you're you're there you're an engineer for a period of time in, uh, in silicon valley and then you you wind up and you know barney's like i'm i'm i want to be in the golf industry or was there is it did, did you want to did you know you were going to change and revolutionize golf equipment or or did is did it just was it happenstance Happenstance. I, I've been asked the question a, enough times that I've uh, I've been forced to kind of look back, <clears throat> and it dawns on me that this this golf passion, golf interest, was there from 
like age 12 or 13 on when I learned when I was a caddy and then I got a job at a club, uh, you know, do, do anything type of thing, you know, stack sure. the club, move the carts, clean clubs, that kind of stuff. And as I've told people, even, and this was, this would have been maybe 1954 or so. And I remember that when I cleaned the clubs, I never forgot this. The long irons were already always clean. And I thought, why are people paying for these dumb things if we're not using them? Mm. And, and that kind of stuck with me over the years that for amateurs, that whole uh, environment of long second shots um, maybe was kind of being taken for granted. Mm. So, yeah, it goes back that far. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, yeah. It, what were it, you guys doing in '53, by the way? <laughs> uh, I, I can't disclose that, sir. Not, not, at, not at least to the public. All right, just wanted to let you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, just so you know, before we started recording, he did say I could ask him anything. So uh, I've got a feeling we may get a little squirrely before this uh, this conversation is done. Well, you are drinking uncut, unfiltered. So here we go. <laughs> I, you, you, you never know. You never know where we could wind up. So, so do you? Um, so you're, you know. So it's like, okay, you've got this idea. To, again, there, there's, there's, there's plenty, plenty, plenty of, of, of resources to go and, and listen to Barney and, and kind of get the backstory. I want to, I want to make sure I get to the reason that we're actually connected today in, in, in a minute. But I, I want to stick with it a little bit. So you've got. It, would you say? Uh, would you say Tom Watson was he the first golfer that to to have your club in the bag? I mean, or uh, maybe not the first, but professional level was no, that kind of the. We had know? Nick Feldo before him, and uh, okay, and and other guys along the line. Nice. That's strictly a commercial thing, but Watson of that group uh, and I are still good friends. Uh, we go fishing together, and so on and so forth. So he has certainly maintain the we have maintained the relationship yeah how many strokes does he spot you when you guys play <laughs> i give him to a side <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's so good that's so good so so only the one book in your career though huh yes uh several articles one book i keep thinking i have ideas for other books but i'm i'm too old and lazy it just takes too much work now so i i probably won't do anything but you know, it's it, it's it's enervating to to have an idea for a new book, even if you don't do anything. Because like, I'll think about it and think about it. Then after a while, I'll say, "Oh, come on, Barnier, go do something else," and it doesn't happen. <laughs> I, I like that world. Yeah, so interesting that you bring that up, and it, I, I actually had it written down. Do you consider yourself? Because you you know, so talking about the book, the Wow Factor, you know, you talk about being an entrepreneur, but but if you had to. I don't know if it's a fair question, but I want to ask, do you think you're an entrepreneur or are you an innovator or do you think you're a combination of both? Entrepreneur. And uh, I would say very definitely an entre entrepreneur because in the book, I use the phrase that there is a fine line between entrepreneurship and insanity. <laughs> and I, I thought I made that up, but I, as it turned out, uh, subsequently I found out that it had been used before as a matter of fact. Yeah. I, I the only way, and I'm, I'm my honest depression, my only way you can describe what I went through or what I did is I was a nutcase. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, maybe, does... or maybe still am, as far as I go. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, if it's working for you, why, uh, you know, why change well, it? I, I don't know any different, you know, so what can I tell yeah. you? 
Yeah. So you went from, so we go from, uh, we go from cleaning clubs to fitting clubs and you may have to adjust my, my, my timeline here, but cleaning to fitting to now reinventing, if you will, or I don't know, maybe even revolutionizing. Right. And then what, was there anything in the, in the fitting part that kind of led you to here's a direction that this, this needs to go. And then if you can expand on that, I guess, from a sense of why, why were you changing the club and not changing the swing? Because several reasons. That's a good question. Uh, My fitting procedure, number one, I got into club fitting. This is in the early nineties when it wasn't being done, by the way. I got in it because I was trying to sell golf clubs. I had designed a, a line of clubs, and I was in a great location. I was in the Haney Golf Ranch, Hank Haney's place in Dallas. And basically, I couldn't give my stuff away. Hmm. And one of the things that people don't understand about golf equipment, a couple things. Number one, golf equipment is not sold. Golf equipment is bought. Hmm. That means it's a marketing business. If you look at history, the four leading companies, and I'm talking about an accumulated 80% market share, 40 years ago, Ping, Titleist, Callaway, TaylorMade. Yep. Well, guess who the four are today? Yeah, I think you just mentioned them. (laughs) They guys, yeah. Because they understand the marketing business. And they've obviously, you know, honed their science over the years, and they're very good at it. And... I, I when I went to the PGA show over the years, one time I, I uh, just for the heck of it, I had all the books of the you know attendees, right? Mm-hmm. And I counted the companies that went to the PGA show and disappeared. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go to the PGA show, you're making a statement that says, "Hey, I'm ready to go into the game. I'm ready to get into the big time. I'm not I'm not selling in the neighborhood anymore. Right. I'm going in with the big boys." I counted 129 companies that went to the PGA show that are no longer with us or they're very, very small internet presence or something along those lines. Sure. You're you're up against, (laughs) you're up against the big guys. You know, I, I, I had still do occasionally have people come to me with club ideas. I said, look, I'll start the conversation. It's a great idea. I don't care. (laughs) How are you going to get your presence up against the major players? If you don't have $30, $40 million to invest over a three- to five-year period, which you might lose, you got no chance. you got no chance. And, and is that when you say marketing and I mean, I mean there's you know, all different aspects of marketing and, you know, you, you the four that you named off. I mean, they hit you on, you know, it's on TV, it's at stores, it's everywhere. You Do you think that there's any one particular avenue and, and you probably the don't know? OK, so it's player. It's player driven. If, if, if your stuff is so good, how come those guys aren't used? Mm. Yeah. Just that simple. Right. And Fair. you know how you know why they use your stuff? Because you pay them a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not doing yeah. it for gratis. Trust me. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no it's, that is a for profit. The players are a for profit business. You know, the tour is a, a different yeah. story. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, and that's understandable. This is their business and they they realize that they're a marketing function. That's why they wear the hat, the logo, and all that stuff. Sure. So sure, they should be paid. That's 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 fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, it, so in that in that ask in the sense that you're speaking of, right? In as far as 
uh, you know, new products and, and there's new stuff that's rolling out in golf, like, you know, probably daily, right. Or somebody's got an idea or they're, they're kind of going down the road and yourself, you've got, I don't know, probably double digit patents, right. That, that are out there, maybe more, but it, is that a, it, how is that going to kind of align or come into play with the proposed, uh, rule changes and all the talk around, uh, oh, they're hitting it too far. They're hitting and it's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, the technology is obviously it's had to have helped that. Right. I mean, you saw it, you made the change, you changed it to make it, I don't want to say easier to hit the ball, but you, 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 you took, took a club and turned it into, I don't even know if I could say that. I mean, you created a club that, that allowed, uh, probably more so an amateur than a professional to have a little bit of an advantage hitting the ball. Yeah. But when it, I was, when I was club fitting, no, I, I I did it differently. I, I I kept collecting data rather than just going through the procedure of club fitting. Uh, I would I would test the procedures because I kind of figured that a lot of them were well we've always done it that way type of thing yeah. and not necessarily grounded in science if you will. I'm not trying to present myself as some technical genius or science that's garbage you know but it, i'm just telling you what my approach was and i'll give you an example mm-hmm. if you guys either one of you guys you know i had to put headphones on so i'd look like you now I never <laughs> uh if if you guys went to be fitted let's say for a driver how many balls do you think you'd hit 15 20 maybe more right. depending uh, on the number of shaft 50, variations and so 50, on 60 yeah right who knows all right you know how many you should hit Hmm. You see, the objective of fitting is for me to fit you, not for you to find out what you can adjust to. Hmm. If you hit, I, I got the new Whammo Super Deluxe Shaft, and I have you hit 10 balls with it, you know, maybe number eight, you really nail it. Well, does that mean you can take it to the first tee with one swing and play with it? Not necessarily. If, if the club fits you, you you got a golf swing, you've been around. If the club fits you, you're going to hit it well right away. Right. And the reason I say two is the first one, now if it looks a little bit different or if you know what's different, I'll give you one, you know, even though I, can, I kept the data, I said I didn't, but I really did. But the second one was the only one I counted. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't care how many shots you hit. I'd be, I'd be, you know, looking around at the sun or the moon or whatever because I already had my data after two shots. Right. But that's the kind of stuff that I did when I was a club fitter. Wow. Interesting. Now, what I also noticed is that, uh, I mean, club fitting is pretty simple. It's A and F, airborne and forward. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, stop and think about it. If you aren't getting it airborne, it ain't working, right? Yep. And if it's going sideways, it ain't working. So we got we got to achieve A and F. That's what I was always after. When people got to the longer irons, they weren't getting A and F. They couldn't get them up in the air, and they weren't going very straight. And this was very common, and was it was frustrating for them. And I handed them what I had at the time for fairway woods or a fairway wood, and it wasn't any better. Mm. And I'm I'm making note of this, so. I went around and I checked the other manufacturers to see what design they had that was doing the job that I couldn't do because mm-hmm. I was not doing a good job. Right. Well, I don't like their stuff either, to be honest with you, especially back in that day, the early 90s. 
that was the beginning of the deep face driver. Right. And the and the and the and the manufacturer of fairway woods. And I'll uh, mark this question down and ask me later. Ask me about a completely different way to custom fit. Okay. We're, I'm not there yet. Okay. Uh, but with the when when the deep face driver was made. Then the fairway people wanted to sell product, right? So they they made little mini drivers. Those were the fairway woods, sure. and they looked like the driver, except they had more loft and they were smaller. But they were also deep face, relatively speaking, and people couldn't get the darn things up in the air. Right. So after you know frustration and frustration, and I used to work at the at the Haney Ranch. I worked from about two in the afternoon till about till they closed at ten o'clock at night. Hmm. And then we had a little shop uh, in Richardson, Texas, where when we did get a sale, we we uh, uh, it would assemble stuff. And I was a, I was an online assembler for a while until they asked me to leave because I created such a mess that the other people had to clean up after me. <laughs> I got home with goo in my hair, and you know, or if I had hair in those days, so so I got fired and I moved up to the office. But one night after. You know, I wanted to do a good job for my customers. I went back to my little shop, and it just in my head, I guess it was because I had been accumulating data. It's like you write a story. Right. When I'm going to write a story uh, about, say, distance, because I just wrote one about distance, for example, okay? I don't sit down and write a story about distance. I sit down and put down on paper or in a computer in this case, Thoughts have been going through my head for some time, and I try and amalgamate them and have them make sense and so on. Yep. Well, it was the same way with this thing that I was sketching out. It was based on hours and hours at the range, trying to help people, et cetera, et cetera. And I had a source uh, overseas in Taiwan at, at, at that time uh, that made clubs, and I, I actually sent them a fax. But this wasn't done on computer. This was done on a yellow pad. <laughs> and said, hey, can you make something like this? And at the bottom, I wrote the name Tight Lies. Hmm. I have no idea why. I, there was no research done. But so Tight Lies was, was just random as hell that you just decided to write it down based on the thoughts in your head. But 100%. It was, it, it was like, Crazy. well, if a guy's got a tight lie, this might work. You know, I guess that's yeah. the way I was thinking. But anyway, about six weeks later, I get a box got some club heads in it. They're pretty much to what I'd asked for. Uh, shafted them up, took them out to the range, had people hit them, boom, it worked. Wow. Oh, they loved them. Now, my thought at that time was it's over. I was now doing a better job of club fitting, which is what my objective was in the first place. Right. And I had no thoughts about the club being anything more pardon me, than something that I was using at the Haney Ranch in those days. What happened was the club took off a, a life of its own. And we learned over time how to help that and embed it. And that's a whole other story, which I won't bore you with. But our little company went from, I don't know, I don't minuscule sales in a year, you know, less than $100,000 to close to $100 million in about two years. Wow. Yeah. What you cannot manage, manage, by the way, anybody says they can manage that kind of growth is yeah, not telling you the truth. Right. It was, a, it was an absolute madhouse. Yeah, that, that's a natural disaster, right? And it's like, how do you yeah. control? Yeah. 
it breaks people down. It's very, very, very difficult. Yes, it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you persevered through it. So, uh, you know, we're sitting here today. So, I mean, that's uh, that's a hell of a statement to you. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure you had a team around you that, you know, there to support you as well. So. Oh, well, well, they're the they're the most important part of your ability to withstand that environment. But as I was saying, some of them who really excel if sales are, let's say, 10 million, 20 million, all of a sudden you jump up to 60 and 70. They can't handle it. Yeah, it's it yeah. just it's just, you know, it, it's it's overwhelming. It's it, I, it's hard to put into words, but it's very, 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 very difficult. Mm. Yeah, and then, and then the more you grow, the more you're visible, and the more you're going to get criticized, and you know, the you're 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 a target, so to speak. Yeah, and that that affects some people. They just they don't like that. That's that's not a good way to live. Well, so I mean, you, you, a lot of issues involved. <laughs> well, I mean, think about just golf in its in its uh, you know natural environment. I mean, golf is a very traditional sport. Right. I mean, you, you don't really break tradition. You kind of hear, hear the hear the guardrails and they're very confined and you kind of stay down that path. And I mean, what you did was absolutely a disruptor in that industry. Right. From and it's, you know, and, and this is this is Barney Adams scratching it out on a yellow pad. And you've got all these other folks. And I'm, I'm not discounting anybody in the industry, but I'm saying you've got, you know, you've got what kind of brain trusts that are sitting around thinking, OK, what's next? What's next? What's next? Or did you not have anybody saying what's next? It's like, hey, here's what we're going to serve the masses, and we don't need to give them what's next. No, what what actually what's what's next was my department. That's yeah. that's what I. That's where I was the most comfortable. Uh, that's where I would spend my time. That's where I uh, eventually ended up hiring somebody to run the company because I he did a better job than I could. I you know I was I I knew where I belonged. And yeah, you're right. It's all it's, like I say, I, I, I could almost write another book on the problems of the difficulties involved rather than just stating them, going into them in detail, because it was as I look back on it, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. And yeah. I used to get I won an Entrepreneur of the Year award and I used to get invited to speak to entrepreneurial groups. And I remember uh, I don't know if it was everyone, but several of them. My opening line was, I mean, how many, how many of you folks know how to clean toilets? <laughs> and of course, I'd get these blank stares, you know, or, you know, smirks or so. And I said, well, I got news for you. Unless you're, you, you know, you've got, you know, w much better funding than I ever had. I didn't have any anyway. Somebody's got to do that kind of stuff. Sure. Guess who it is? I mean, I clean lots of toilets. <laughs> yeah, that's, whoever that's what it's like. Yeah, whoever's available, right? I mean, that's who's uh, that, that, that's who's getting after it. So, uh, and I'm, so I, I know I got a question I need to ask you, but I want to talk about just for a second, if you don't mind. So you, so the first thing you did was the fairway wood, right? That was the that was the first design, and the first design. Well, the, that, that was the first one that that uh, broke ground. There, there were several before that that have been buried. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. But so, so when you when you want to talk about you know Barney's kind of like, hey, here we go, right? We're we're, we're on a path of uh, of exponential growth. So so you so the fairway wood comes out. When did the like when when does the hybrid come into play? And you're like, well, shit, I've I've got the next best club now. Well, that I'll answer that along with. Remember, I told you to ask me a, a question. I, I yes. About a club, about yep. a club. Okay. 
My, to this day, by the way, my theory of club fitting is not like what's being done. Now, if you think of a set of golf clubs, okay, you visualize a set of golf clubs, whether they're hybrids or they're long irons, they are progressive. They're, uh, the lie angles are, I forget what they are, one degree. No, they're two. I think they're two degrees between clubs. I can't remember anything anymore. But And the, and the lofts are three degrees different. Yep. And the shafts are all the same. And it's this very, very uh, succinct progression from club to club. Okay? And if you look at the objective, what's in your mind is a series of parabolas starting with the longest one and then a little shorter, then a little shorter, then a little shorter as per the specifications in the clubs. Fair enough. In order to optimize all of those variables, you have to have one very significant constant, and that's impact. Right? Sure. Yep. Well, guess what you don't have? Yeah, right. constant impact, right? Yeah. If you're an amateur, yeah. I'm not talking about pros now. I'm talking no, no, about no, sure. Yep, you're, you're so, talking about Dan and myself. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. So my theory of club fitting would be that, especially today with all the neat electronic stuff, which I didn't have in those days. Sure. We'll we'll we'll, we'll figure out which one you can consistently hit the farthest uh, with a kind of trajectory that is acceptable to everybody. Okay. Uh, uh, whatever the peak of the apex is and so on and so forth. Yep. But we'll establish what that club is. And let's say it's a hybrid. Let's say it's a fairway. Wood. I don't care what the heck it is. That's, that's irrelevant. But we've established it. Once we've done that, then we go to a lesser distance because that's what the objective is, right? I'm talking about the parabolas now. And we start over again. Because maybe the club for the lesser distance isn't the same club head design as the one before it. I do it from optimum distance and what as much consistency as the player is capable of providing into the design, rather from the design hmm. into the parabolas. Yeah. And that's how I would do clubs. So it could very well be that you're we'll call it a four iron for the sake of conversation, your shaft in your four iron might be shorter than your shaft in a seven iron mm -hmm. because the face angle, you know, and the loft being less, you, you need to be more consistent with your contact. You're not that good anyway. So I help you by making the club a little shorter. And as your seven iron, now you get to the point where you can, you can optimize the length and your seven iron is as longer, longer than your four iron. I don't care. I don't care because I don't have a set of specs. What I have is an objective to have each club in the bag perform as well as it can, as it can for your golf game. Yeah, sure. Well, you're speaking blasphemy here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I'm just saying in, in the golf world, right? I mean, that is like oh, that, that, so. There, there would be people throwing up if they heard this. I understand that. Well, I think people are hearing it, but uh, but I mean, but to put to your point, it's like, do you want optimal performance or do you want to fit into the box? Yeah, right? It's like buying the analogy I use is like buying a beautiful suit. That doesn't fit you. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, maybe the coat fits, but the pants are a size and a half too small. 
so you have to hold your your stomach in all the time, or the or the, the, the legs are a little too short, you know, etc. But the suit is beautiful. Yeah, and it matches perfectly. But it just doesn't work, does it? But it just doesn't work, and that's my theory. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No, fair, fair enough. I mean, that's uh, can't can't argue with that. And I mean, you know, you're the uh, you're the expert in this case. So you know, there, there we go. I don't know if I, I don't. I, I, this is just. I was a data collector. Yeah. And I just paid attention to what I saw people being able to do. And then you you kind of asked me about the hybrids. That's where the hybrids kind of came from. Uh, at least in the other other environment. They were a lot more forgiving for people to hit than the long irons. Sure. And I, so they, they they did more towards accomplishing that goal. And that's where they came from. And then once, and see, hybrids hybrids were ahead of barrel. People ask me if I've invented the hybrid, which I think is funny. Um, there was a, a set of clubs called the Troon Clubs, which was three hybrid-like wooden clubs and four irons. I think they came out in 1864 or something like that. So that's before my birthday. I had nothing to do with those in 1864. <laughs> so the I, the idea was that it just gave people what they could use, what they could use yeah. the best. You know, I think one of the great, I'm getting off the track here, but I see people with 60-degree wedges in their bag. The best thing they could do for them mostly is run them over with a car. <laughs> 60-degree wedges are very, un, I mean, you know, if you, if you miss a 60-degree wedge, you got two choices. Either skulls over the green and goes into no man's land, or it has a lot of spin on it and it buries it in the trap and you can't get out of the trap. It's just a club where the reward isn't enough greater than the penalty that I just see people using them and got no business using them. I'd be better off with a nine iron. Hey, this is Bernie Lovers, the whiskey professor at Heaven Hill Distillery, and you're listening to Bernie's and Bourbon. Yeah, so let me, so you brought up, you brought up the Troon set. And and I, I would call that as as you know if we're playing with our buddies today and we're going maybe to walk a course or something we would label that we we'd call it we'd say hey I'm just carrying a half set today yeah. so 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 I'm carrying a driver a hybrid and then I'm skipping you know every other club you know I'm either mm -hmm. going odd or even something like that and maybe you know depending on if I go. Uh, if I go even, I might go for my 56. If I go odd, then I might take my 52. And so what, what's your thoughts on, uh, and I know this is coming from a club fitter, but are, are, would you steer someone more towards kind of that half set uh, club setup versus, you know, going with 14 full clubs or yeah, what, what's your, what's your thoughts on that one? And, and maybe it depends on the level of golfer. Three answers. First answer is, I don't decide anything. The golf ball decides. So if I'm working with you on the range, the ball will tell us, you know, why are you hitting these two clubs? They're, they're, I'm going the same distance. You don't need that. You know, pick the one that you can hit the most office, often. That's yep. number one. Number two, 14 clubs. The interesting thing is that after I show you all this, most of you are going to want 14 clubs anyway. I've had it happen. You know, I don't care. I, I got to have 14 clubs. It's, oh, whatever. Okay. You know, that makes you happy. Give, give me more money. <laughs> I'm happy to sell them to you. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, do the best I can. So it's, it's, um, 
I don't know. I, I try to give you cogent answers here, but it's there's no. It's humans. It's yeah. it's it's humans, and I guess that's that, that's the main thing is you can just never you can never tell, and you you've just got to. It's an individual experience when you're fitting somebody. I mean, I really enjoy club fitting because each person I worked with was a unique experience. Right. And I'll give you a little club fitting, uh, uh, kind of a funny bit. Most women hit steel shafted woods farther than graphite. Oh, wow. Yeah, because when they felt the weight of steel, they got aggressive. Hmm. And their carpet speed increased. And with graphite, it's like, oh, man, this is fun. I could just kind of laze into this thing, and it's great. Right. But you, they wouldn't buy steel. They had yeah, to yeah, buy sure. Yeah, yeah, for whatever reason it was. But I, I, ran a lot of, I ran a lot of tests. There's a very good golf pro by the name of Drew Pearson. <coughs> I don't even know what, if he's still working or not. He was a club fitter, and if they didn't want to buy steel, he wouldn't sell them. Hmm. He said, look, these are the results. Really? What do you want me to do? You know, I take all the results. Here they are. Now, now you want me to ignore them. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's uh, interesting. Well, human, I mean, human beings, human beings. Yeah. What to your suit so, and to your point, you, you were talking about kind of the club fittings of today, right? With all the, whatever the, you know, the, the, all the digital technology that exists and you watch everything and the flight, you know, and you're like, you know, you, you, you're the two ball guy. And, you know, today you go in and it's like, no, I want to hit until I'm sweating and I can't even swing the club anymore. But, you know, to you, you know, we, we, when we first started talking and you're like, Hey, if you, if you, if you're not in a position to market your product, it's probably not going to be successful, but that's, be- that's because I walked in there with the mindset of, Ooh, I want to play this. So I'm going to hit this. I'm going to hit this club until something on the screen tells me that's sure. the one I get to buy. Absolutely. And if I got, if I'm, if got a, if I got half a brain, I'm going to make sure we're talking about a driver in this conversation, let's say that that driver shaft happens to be one of the little more expensive ones too. <laughs> it's a business. It's a business and, and club fitting is a tough, it's a tough, it's tough to make money. I'm a great believer, obviously, in club fitting, but it's tough to make money. Yeah. It really is because it's a, it's a one-off deal. And, you know, a lot of people come in to get fitted mainly for irons more than woods and woods are where the money is when you're, when you're in the right. business. So when the margins are greater and so on. So sure. it's, tough. I mean, if, if you guys ever experienced, um, uh, what they call it, spining, yeah, you know sure. What? Yeah, in the oh. yeah. spine, is it down? Is it sideways up? Right. Yeah. If, yeah. If, if, so you, you're familiar with it? Yep. If, if, have you ever had it done? Well, do you, do you want to get, maybe you, if you've got time to give a brief overview. Sure. I got nothing but time. I'm old. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 <laughs> that was not, the question was about if you have, well, it was about time. It wasn't your age. <laughs> the next, the next significant moment in my life will be dinner. And that's a couple hours away. So I got nothing to do. <laughs> hey, listen, the last person that said they wanted to spend more time with me, we're not friends anymore. And it's nothing, it's nothing that they did, Barney, nothing that they did. You, you haven't, listen, you haven't even scratched the surface. You don't bother me at all. All right. I'll give you spining. Okay. It's absolutely worthless. Hmm. does absolutely nothing to the golf ball. It's very visual because you put a club in a frequency analyzer and you twang it and it bounces all over the place. And then you keep rotating until it quiets down. And then you charge the guy 50 bucks a club to have it done and life goes on. But as far as ball flight goes, zero effect. Hmm. Interesting. So, so it's, so it's just a marketing play. 
absolutely without question. And I'll, and I'll, you can cut this out, but I'll tell you a story. <laughs> Guy that I play golf with, this is several years ago, said, how come you don't spine your clubs? And I, it, I, I, already, I said, you're out of your mind. That's, that's, I, I tested it. It doesn't do anything. He said, it does too. You just don't understand, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turned out that he was friends with a guy in Florida that owns the patent. Mm. And I'll skip the guy's name. It's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, irrelevant. Yeah. yeah, and I said, I'll tell you what I'll do just to make you happy. He can come to our facility, run any test that he wants to run to show us that spining helps ball flight. Because that's the objective, right, ball flight? Yeah, yeah, sure. And if it does... We'll make a deal with them, buy the patent, whatever, you know, whatever it is. It'll be a good deal. Is that fair? I said, the only thing that we request is to watch what he's doing, but we won't get involved. He said, that's great. You'll do that. Guy comes to Dallas, spends three days, goes home. He still has the patent. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, it's true, right? I mean, every, every time you go to buy something online, it's you want to check the box. Do you want it? Um, oh, so is that the same as when they call it, um, I think they call it truing a shaft? Is that the same, same, same thing? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, in a lot of places, you're... you're it's very impressive in the gauge. A golf ball just doesn't care. And, and, and again, that's what custom fitting is all about, right? The golf ball? Sure. I mean, I get asked all the time, Bernard, what do you think about this driver? What do you think about that? I said... What are you asking me for? Ask the golf ball. Well, I, the answer. I, I don't, I don't know if I understand what you're saying and I'm not arguing that you're not correct, but again, I'm going to go back to, and hopefully and this is not negative, but, but back to the whole marketing scheme. I understand. It, it, yeah. As a golfer, it has nothing to do with a golf ball. You want it, your hand held. I get it. it. It has, it has to do with, um, I want to play. This is what I want to play, and the, you know, be it brand, be it color, be it flavor, be it whatever. You, you know, that's that's the thing, and and that's where I think that's the miss is, and, and exactly what you're explaining is it's. Uh, but hey, it does the golf ball go where you want it to go the majority of the time, and if it doesn't, then there's uh, maybe a couple issues, right? <laughs> and I, I listen. I completely understand that some of you just went out and spent you know, 500 bucks in a driver or something would really like to have me say, boy, you're hitting that good. I get that. Okay. And, and I, and frankly, I do most of the time. I mean, but if they want to get details, I just say, look, I don't do details, but the golf ball does. It never lies. It's just a perfect place to go for answers. Yeah. Yeah, sure. What's uh, so before, you know, so you were one of the first, folks and and i'm sure you know other names uh but but you were one of the first guys to start custom fitting right it, 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 professionally yes, yes. yeah that's fair enough there, I, there was uh i think there was one other company that was doing it when i started and so but and if you look back through your history there were some golf pros in the shops going back to the 40s that actually custom fit i mean there were you know, on a very small, they weren't doing it. They are doing it for their members as a service, but it wasn't a business, but the, the process wasn't, wasn't new by any stretch. But and that's where I was going is because you went from, is, is that, you know, in today's world, I mean, you can pull up to the, well, I don't know about now, but, but uh, gen generally speaking, without the episode that's going on, you pull up to the mall and you've got a whole store 
you can you can buy something there, but the premise is you're going in there for an experience and it's a fitting experience. And then they're going to walk you through all the, the bells and whistles and different clubs and whatnot. But you were actually doing it before it was even like a, a thing. You just played off the rack and you didn't even think about getting fitted, right? That's exactly right. That's been one of the, I've said this many times, one of the big changes in the industry, which is what you're driving at, is that now custom fitting has is, is pretty much dominated the business. Even at retail level, they've got to have a fitting station to augment their sales. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you, and, and I, where I'm trying to go with that or where I'm pushing, leading this to is, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you wrote a story about, uh, or you wrote an article, I think it was on golf WRX. You mentioned some things about Augusta and how they're not going to let them let the players take over the course. They'll manage that. Uh, Pulling back the golf ball doesn't uh, doesn't resolve uh, the the issue of distance and and coming from a uh, you know an innovator in yourself that says hey I'm going to build a better club that's going to allow you to hit the golf ball better maybe farther but it's going to give you consistency that you didn't have prior to what's your take on, on, you know, with, with the, we don't have to, I'm not looking to beat anybody up on rule changes, right? I mean, that's not our, that's not my job. It's not your job. I'm just saying from a perspective of a man that said, I'm going to take something and make it better. So you can play better golf. And now you're in a position of the not even one percenters, like well less than the one percenters that can hit the ball that good. What's it do to the amateur? Well, it's funny. I, I just I just wrote something about distance, and uh, I said that uh, distance is not a problem. Distance is three problems, and you have to take that all into consideration. Number one, the PGA Tour. Now, the PGA Tour is television entertainment. Sure. If you stop and think about it, you take TV away from the tour. What do you got? You got well, you don't have got, any money. They got hundred dollar Nassau's going on or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it, it's it. It's TV, and, and they do a terrific job. Don't get me wrong; it's wonderful. So, when you're talking about affecting distance, you have to take into consideration the fact that it's TV entertainment and what if, how what it affects your how it affects your viewers, etc. And I used to have a philosophy at Adams is that if if you came to me with a problem, you also had to come to me with a solution. Yep. Otherwise, you were just complaining, and I wasn't interested. So my solution for the tour is if you – now I go back in, in time, the old Bellata golf ball spun a great deal more than today's golf balls. Hmm. One of the interesting things to me about distance today is some of the really super long drives are left to right for a right-hander. And you know, let's say take Dustin Johnson, for example. Yeah. It's a, it's a point. Well, that never used to happen. Left or right shots in the old days didn't go anyplace relatively. No, no, every, you know, everybody wanted to hit a draw. Everybody exactly. wanted to hit a draw. Yeah. yeah. And the problem, and the problem with draws, sometimes they don't listen very well. So it put a lot of pressure on the player. So I would increase the spin rate, which, which would make it harder for the, the, the left or right shot would be more of a conservative shot that doesn't go as far. And if you really want to bomb it out there, you got to turn it over, and that puts a huge emphasis on shot making. So, if, if I'm commissioner, that's what I would look at. Say tomorrow, well, I leave the clubs alone. Hmm. That's one of the three steps. Second of the three steps is you have your good amateurs, and they pretty much fall within the same category as the professionals. They can hit the yep. ball 
far enough, et cetera, et cetera. So the same thing would apply to them. Now we get to the people who belong to clubs or, or play municipal golf, the body of golfers that support the game. Most of them don't hit it far enough to start with. Right. And frankly speaking, most of it don't hit it as far as they think they do. Because <laughs> I've measured them. Yeah. So if you, and, and, and now COVID interrupted the cycle to, to the benefit, you know, we picked up a lot of players through COVID, but before COVID we were losing players. Yep. Right. So if you want to lose help the fact that you're losing players by, by making their tee shots go shorter, I don't think that's a good solution. So I think it, it now is where this, this whole process gets a little more, uh, a little dicier, let's say, because yeah. you got to take these people support the game. You know, they're, they, they're not beautiful golf swing swingers of the club and et cetera, et cetera, but they're paying the money to support the game. Right. So how do we make it acceptable for them and at the same time applicable to the other two groups. And I say, number one, it's an education. One word answer, education. They don't, if you're if you're, if you're a golf architect, you design a par four, and you're really proud of it. It's a really good design. And it ends up with a nasty little pot bunker to the right side of the green, so I can stick the flag behind the pot bunker, which means as a player, I've got to launch the ball up into the air with spin and stop it on the green, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. That's fine. Except for the fact that if you're past my distance level. Yep. Now, my distance level for the average amateur off the tee, and I, I, I know nobody's going to believe this, but it's it's been verified. I mean, that the people have done the measurement. It's 185 to 190 yards. Yeah. That's how far they hit it. Well, if you hit it 190 and the hole is, let's say, 360, it's a short par four, right? That means you got 170 left. Well, you can't hit the ball up in the air with spin 170 yards. Your 170 yard yeah. shot is low. It's, you know, and if you get lucky, it leaks onto the green between where that trap is and the left side of the green. You're not playing the hole the way it was designed. You're playing a much, much, much harder golf hole. Mm -hmm. So if I want to make the game enjoyable for those guys, I've got to educate them that, look, your second shot has got to be in the 140 to maybe 150 range to play the hole the way the architect designed it. Yeah, hit it up in the air so you got something that's coming down and checking that's it up. That's what the architect is yeah. thinking about, right? Yeah. He, he's not thinking about, uh, let's, let's, he's it's not going through his head. Let's have most of the guys that play the game, we'll make the opening to the green a third as wide as the green is with trouble behind the green. And let's, I hope they all make double bogeys. I don't think he thinks that way. So I, I want to make it so you can play the hole the way that, let's say, I'm the architect that I'm designing it. So I can say it's education and it's not understood. I'm sorry that PGA of America, if, if, if you've done this, you talk to their golf pros, they don't get it. Most of them, some of them do, but most of them don't. And most of the people, they don't want to move up anyway. You know, yeah. that's it. If I say to a, I did this the other day. I said, why are you playing a 9,000 yard course? And the guy looks at me like I'm a nutcase. And I said, as far as you hit it, compared to the tour, 
just take the distance. This is a 9,000 yard golf course <laughs> on a comparable basis. And you know what? You can't play it. Oh, never. I don't want to hear that. I, I think you just wrote, I think, I think you just gave us the premise for your next book. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, how, do, how does, how does the, how does, how does the amateur apply there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know I, I wrote an article on that. I will tell you that I wrote an article on that fairly detailed and uh, nobody wanted to run it. Really? Oh, oh, but, yeah. Well, because they thought it, were, it was going to be offensive to the USGA and no, oh, you're gonna... the amateurs. The amateurs don't want to know this. They don't want to be told that they're playing a 9,000 yard golf course. Mm. I'll give you, a, I'll give you a stat. Mm-hmm. You can, here, you can bring this up in another, get some other idiot like me on there. And you can bring this up. <laughs> hey, that's for us to say after the show. <laughs> okay. Over the years, when I was in the business, about every three years or so, we would hear, get ready, the women are coming. Women's mm-hmm. golf is going to boom. It's coming. I know off the top of my head, I can name you two golf equipment companies that started up to make just ladies golf clubs. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's how big the boom was going to be. Wow except that it didn't happen. Yeah. You know why it didn't happen? Because women are smarter than men. <laughs> They're not going to go out there, roll the ball along the ground, get their brains beat out, sweat, so on. They got better things to do with their time. Yeah. I mean, they're playing 8,500 yard, 8,000 yard golf courses, the way it's set up for them. And the funny part about it is if you try and change that, the good women players, and there may be only three or four of them, will try and assassinate you. Because they are so competitive, and they got such a huge advantage that they don't want it taken away. That's a good point. Yeah, I've had, Oh, boy, I've had them go right down my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. It's just the way it is. So I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's a huge education process. That's, right. that's my third category. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I, that's... Uh, I. Yeah, I mean that. What are you going to ask me the hard stuff? This is easy. <laughs> you guys are nothing. Why? You guys I don't, are nothing. Why? I, I don't. I don't know what the hard stuff is. I mean, there's so. Well, 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 you had started the show off by telling me that you were afraid you'd, you know, ruffle my feathers and make me nervous or so on and so forth. Well, there's really as. This is, so, this, uh, you know, I, I, I just wanted to. Be, I wanted you to make sure I'm paying attention. Uh, oh, so hard stuff. Oh, so, wow. so, so, so Barney Adams retires. Uh, sell off the, uh, sell off the company and, uh, you know, you're, you're moving on, you're going to do your own thing, live your own life. And then, uh, I don't, you, I think I, we did not say this, nor Dan, nor I, but you did call yourself an idiot a few, uh, a little while ago in the show and you, <laughs> many times, many and times. you, and you start another golf company. Yes. Uh, and, and that's the reason we're talking today. And, uh, I want to say thanks for Mary Beth for connecting us, but, um, uh, I, I want to get into, uh, because n- nobody, nobody, the only reason I'm replacing my putter shaft is if I want to be cute and I want a black one instead of a silver one. Well, not only, not only Barney did that happen, but I got a black, uh, stability putter shaft. And just to be transparent, uh, it was a, um, uh, it was, it was gratis of, of, uh, breakthrough golf technology. And, uh, those guys did an awesome job putting it together. I would show it to you, but I, uh, I was putting, a, I was putting with it, sent, posted some pictures of it and, uh, high side customs, um, putters refinishing 
they reached out to me and they said, yeah, you're going to need to send that into us and we're going to refinish it for you because uh, that putter shaft looks a lot better than the putter head. So, so, uh, but it, but it's, and you know, and again, back to the whole marketing thing. And I, I think that, I mean, it, and I'm, I'm just going to make a statement. If Can you I ask look, a question? Yes, if you sir. If finish that putter head, will it really putt better? Oh shit. You know the answer to that. <laughs> no, but to, Hey, here's, here's exactly where I was going with that is back to the whole marketing thing, you know, look good, feel good, play good. Now, I'll, most of the time my play good may not translate, but to your point, it's that whole marketing scheme, right? And it, it and it's, and I will say, um, and, and I'm not, I hope this doesn't come across negative because I don't mean it that way because it, you were going, I mean, prior to, uh, what did, so tight lies, uh, 96, 97 ish earlier, but yeah, you're close. Okay. Yeah. So, so 90, early nineties and, you know, but, and before that, I mean, you got, you got silver, you got, uh, you know, black, uh, black fill paint and here you go, right. You, you got nothing else. You guys kind of, I think if I'm remembering, right, you, we had some red coloring, some paint fill on there and now fast forwarding to, uh, the stability putter shaft that, uh, uh, the, the Ninja tour shaft, that thing is like, so I don't even care. Hey, I don't care if it does nothing for me. It makes me feel good when I put it in my hands, but, <laughs> but <clears throat> I can't tell you. So I putted with it for about a month. You could, you could take drugs for that. I think it'll help. We don't talk about that on the show. But okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but you know, it, it's uh, it, so it's interesting, and, and we're going to get your take on it. But it's interesting, and in your I want to if so, and if you if you I've never heard you relate it. Maybe I've missed it, but I've never heard you relate. Um, I guess maybe I missed it. The the redesign or or, or creating a new and innovative putter shaft versus uh, coming out with a club head because they're are, oh, well, I guess I'll stop with this. Are they different? Is it a different innovation? No, philosophically, no. The shaft is in existence because it's technically superior. And that's always been the driving goal. That is actually, when you mentioned the book, the wow factor, that's what that means. So wow, says, wow, this really works. Wow, this is really good. That's that's what it's all about. The putter shaft uh, we was stumbled into, to be honest with you. And it wasn't I was I was left-handed involved with it, but I wasn't doing the basic design by any stretch. Mm -hmm. But it was a question of looking at data from putting, and there was something there that didn't belong. And making a long story short. Uh, what we found out was that it, 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 once we, uh, I understood it, it made sense. <clears throat> Going back to the old days, putters were blades, bullseyes, right. and they weighed maybe 175 grams or so, maybe maybe 200 for the bigger ones. Well, and then as the color, uh, putter designers have learned about perimeter weighting uh, affecting uh, the degree of, of deflection on off-center hit, Putter heads have gotten much heavier. Putter heads today weigh like 350 grams. I mean, that's almost double. That's a big deal. Well, during that period, the putter shaft never changed. Same old putter shaft that I used back then and people used way before me. And that heavier weight stresses the putter shaft so that during the stroke, 
it oscillates very, very slightly. But if the shaft is oscillating, that means the head is oscillating because they're attached, right? Mm -hmm. And if you read any book or talk to any instructor or, or, or anyone about putting, the first and most important factor is to have the club face square at impact. Yep. Well, if it's oscillating, it's not always square at impact. So it, even though it, the, the amount that it's off is very, very slight, it's kind of an insidious uh, environment. You miss a putt. Now, when you miss a putt, who's the first person or the, what is the first thing that you blame? You blame yourself. I pulled it. I pushed it. I came up over it, whatever. Okay. Well, what if this particular miss had nothing to do with you? Mm. and everything to do with a very, very slight variation that you don't even know was going on. And my theory is that as a supplier to you, I owe you the most consistent feedback, whichever, whatever the club is, that I can provide. That's what this shaft does. Secondly, and this was the hard part, or yeah, probably the hardest part of making it, to replace the steel shaft, <clears throat> it has to be the same weight and have the same balance point because that's what you as a golfer relate to. If I fix the oscillation problem by making the steel shaft, let's say, twice as wide, three times as wide, it would go away. But the shaft would feel awful. Yeah. And now you've got to make an adjustment. As a golfer, you've got to make a big adjustment. You can't do that. You know, that's that's my job is to provide you with the superior technology in such a way that you just go use it. You don't have to change. For example, if we're going back talking about club fitting. You get that super deluxe whammo driver that you like so well, right? Well, you don't have to stand on one foot to hit it or change. This, this, this sounds like Barney Adams infomercial days right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What can I tell you? Uh, that, but that's the theory behind it is that it's got yeah. it's got to. It's got to fit into your environment so you can have whatever advantage there is without having to make a change. I personally think the phone ringing was Cal trying to place an order. Well, probably, well, <laughs> I don't well, order for what bourbon, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Anything, anything's possible. Uh, refill the glass. Refill the glass. I, I'm, on the, I'm on the call list for the car warranty. Did you guys ever get that? Oh, uh, Yeah. We can extend your car warranty. Mm -hmm. yeah. They've got. I get calls from Slovakia, Cleveland. <laughs> Doesn't make any difference. Maybe <laughs> they, maybe they're trying to build clubs over there. You never know. <laughs> good heavens. Uh, okay. So so all right. So hold on. So back in the so we so we're with uh, so we get you get the putt. Why do you think it took you so long? Hmm. To I mean because you club fitter, innovating. Uh, you know, and, and, and you've gone through some evolutions and I know we've kind of talked about, you know, there, there, it kind of existed, but you, you truly were, you innovated and you changed, uh, just, you know, golf in its entirety, in, in my opinion. And it, and it's, in my opinion's worth, uh, you know, it ain't worth what's in the bourbon, but it's still my opinion and I like it, but you did. And, and it's, it, it's, it's noted all around with recognitions. What do you think took you so long to get to, well, what am I missing over here? Or, or why didn't you think about it? I don't know why I didn't think about it, but I can tell you that the reason that it took a long time was because nothing came along that was any good. Hmm. 
Uh, you know, that's a good point. You know, good, really, really innovative stuff doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 this is a case of something that's that's truly truly innovative. You know, like a different putterhead design. There's there's 48 gazillion putterhead designs out there, right. and they're good. All right, but they're not technically different from the standpoint yeah. that it, it's if you lined them all up. I mean, if, but let's suppose you have a putter head that uh, the perimeter weighting is such that it's it's optimized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that means that the amount of deflection of the putter head, if you hit it out towards the hole, is going to be the, the least amount. You know what? You still miss the putt. You might have missed it by six inches less, but you still miss the putt, and you still two putt it. Big deal. Yeah. So this this is a different this is a different ball game, and but when, when people use it. First place, I tell them, I said, don't kid yourself. You can put this shaft in your putter and go out and putt like a dog. Mm. Trust me, I've done it. Okay. <laughs> but what happens is that if you use it over time, your body s- says to you, hey, wait a minute. Don't let this go. This is this is the real deal. This is something. Because your distance control is better and your directional control, however slight it is, is better. And I've, I've heard that back many, many times. How, how would you, what would you give me for an answer to this statement? Uh, ball striking is mechanics, putting is feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Yeah, I've always, it just reminded me of something that I've used several times. The two best putters I ever putted with, played with. Mm-hmm had the worst mechanics you could have for a human being. Interesting. And these guys made everything. One guy aimed right and pulled the ball back online and never missed. And the other guy aimed left, took the putter back outside, decelled, blocked, and he made everything. Wow. So I guess it was feel for those guys, right? No, but to, but to your point, if you get the if the if if you're aiming at the line that you feel and you're doing it the way you want to do it and the, and the club the 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 shaft is allowing you to get it back to where you want it to, right? I mean, I'm, that, I'm hearing it. In a, I'm hearing it when what you're explaining to me. I'm just thinking of you know, there's there's everything is getting it back to square, but it's is it square on your relative line? Yeah, and and I'm I'm not a huge believer even in um, uh, say it right putter teaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm answering your question by saying it's it, it's a feel and see. It's what your eyes see. Yeah, uh, I think that's a big deal. Uh, I remember I was involved with a with a uh, test one time where we were measuring tour pros, and I think out of the twenty two or three we measured, two of them lined up where they thought they were. Oh yeah, well, they 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 kind of tended to aim right on the longer putts and left on the shorter putts. Yeah. But you know what? They were great putters. So they learn how to manage it. Yeah, I wasn't discounting in, in, in your earlier statements about where you were going. I, I was just going more for, you know, it's kind of like, hey, you're not going to. I don't I think where if I heard you right, I mean, were you saying you're not going to put this shaft in your putter just like you might a driver or an iron and get that immediate response that you're yes. looking for? That's going to be over the course of a period of time and proximity to the hole or or made putts absolutely is going to improve. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely right. You could 
you know, most guys tend to play males tend to play shafts that are too stiff for them. And hmm. it's, you know, it's kind of a male thing. So I, I used to, when I was a clip fitter, I used to lie to them and tell them it was a stiff shaft and it wasn't. <laughs> and they would hit it good and they loved it. And, you know, everybody was happy. Yeah. But that, 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 that reaction is that feel from contact, that reaction from ball flight is immediate. Yeah. With a putting, you go on the green, you hit one, and it maybe does go in or doesn't go in. It's like, but, but there's no there there. Where's, where's, the, you know, where's the music and so on? I mean, how do I know? And you just got to explain to them that it's, it's, it's very slight and it takes time, but you will, you will understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super excited. I can't wait to send some pictures and post some things of the build back. It it's uh, you know I I have to deliver obviously, but uh, yeah, this uh, it's you know for the and I I don't know what I played that month maybe four or five times, and uh, it, so and here's the weird. So my buddy, my buddy's like, so I'm like, hey guys, check this out, check this out. And, uh, you know, they're like, uh, Oh, what is it? You know? They're, so they're, they're like, well, what's it? What? It, it's a putter shaft. And I'm like, I know, but you know, you, you know, they're like, Oh, what's the technology? I said, I'm sharing with him. And he's like, Hey, let me see that. You know, and he, and he hits it. it. But of course my club, the, the putter heads different than his, uh, you know, it's just a whole, the grips different. So it's a whole different sure. setup. So it's a whole different dynamic. And, you know, he's like, eh, I don't know, maybe, but it, I'm like, it's not a, it's not exactly. a, yeah, it, it's not a, um, it's not a wow. Yeah. Right, but but it can get to a wow pretty yeah, easily, it, I think. It, so. it, 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 it can get to a wow. You guys wanted to have some fun with, so I don't know who you would have it with, but look up putter stats on tour. Mm-hmm. I think they've got them for like 20 years now. Uh, I'm not quite, I think that's it, 2025, something like that. Mm-hmm. The putting stats on tour today are no better and maybe a little worse than they were 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, well, hey, that, 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 that was all Jordan Spieth that did that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean it negatively. I mean, just Jordan, Jordan had a bad run there for a while, but for a while, I mean, that dude was holding like 30 and 40 footers, like nobody's business. And now all of a sudden the past three weeks, it's like, it's like how Jordan's like, Hey, how, what's the longest putt I can have and still be, and be on the green. It's like, Oh yeah, you need to hit this 162 yards and you'll have your 90 foot putt. And he's like, perfect. Give me the, give me the seven iron. Yeah. It's, <laughs> he, he just proved the, I'm a big Jordan Speed fan, but way, too. He, I know him a little bit from Dallas. But, but my point is, if you look at the tech, technological, look at the distance. How much? Yeah. How, how much of the distance has changed in in forty years, fifty years, sixty years, whatever the hell it is? Okay, seventy yeah. yards, maybe. I mean, everything has changed. Yeah, and the putting stats are flat or worse. Yeah, it's, have it, fun with that. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I like it, man. We'll uh, we'll definitely exploit that on the show, and obviously in a, in a positive way. But uh, but I'm looking forward to getting this thing back, getting you guys some pictures of it, and uh, talking more about uh, breakthrough golf technology and uh, the stability tour. Black. I don't. I thought there was a ninja something in there. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe I just thought about that. But I it definitely is the t- uh, stability tour black shaft. So I think we got a couple. Of, I don't even know. I think we got a couple of three different. Colors. That's marketing. I don't, I don't pay much attention to it. But that's <laughs> that's marketing. We are working on some new stuff too. So we'll see what happens. Cool. What's we, next? We, what's next on the line for Barney Adams? If, uh, no, I, I can't tell you because I don't know if it works or not. <laughs> but Get collecting. And, and, and by the way, I go back to your original comment. It's really stupid. 
you know, for example, I'll give you I'll give you an example. You know, there, you can research this one as well. There has never been an independent putter company in the history of the golf industry that hasn't failed. Hmm. Hold on. There has never been an independent, but well, didn't you guys buy yes or acquire yes or what? what yeah, we it? bought yes. Yeah. Yeah. But they were, you know, we, we rescued them. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, they, I, they understood. I understood. They were, they were in life support and didn't know it. There have been some that have been <laughs> like, uh, um, I can't think of the name. There's been a couple of them bought out by bigger companies and succeeded, but let's, let's think about this. You guys, have, you know, you got nothing better to do. So you sit around tonight and design a great putter. I mean, really good, technically good. Gets the gets the ball off the putter face at the right loft. Gets it rolling quickly enough, which is the objective, of course, and so on. Um, and it's and it's really really good. And now all you have to do is find a place in the marketplace and fight off Ping and Callaway and Titleist and Taylor Bay. Good luck. We're leaving that up to you, buddy. No chance. We're leaving that up to you. Leaving that up to you. Leaving that up to you. And, and you know what? You can say, all right, I got it. We'll lie about it. It's been tried. It still, it still doesn't work. <laughs> uh, com- coming from the man with experience, right? It's, it's, it's just slight exaggerations. Yeah, Mr. Barney Adams, uh, we don't want to keep you any longer than we have to because, well, we want to keep you longer, but hey, man, we want to get you back on the show. We've got other stories, and there are definitely more things that we want to share with you. Um, it's, do your, uh, listen, do your homework next time. You guys are easy. <laughs> oh, well, hey, hey, uh, challenge, challenge accepted. accepted. <laughs> challenge accepted, sir. Uh, Barney, we appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, hopefully, hopefully the next time we'll bring you some challenging stuff. Okay, let it rip. You know? <laughs> Here's the good news. Let's, I don't know how, you know, might be several months before we do this again and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have forgotten all this anyway. So you can, you can start over again if you want. That's My memory's good. only good for about, a, for about three days. <laughs> I was going to say, because Cal's probably going to forget in three days too. So I'll have to take notes. We'll be on the same page. It, comes, it just comes with age. It's, uh, I make a lot of new friends because I can't remember when I, you know, that I met him two days ago. <laughs> hey, so do I, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, guys.